Book One from the point of view of Mrs. Gildare. Chapter Three of Lady Bridget in the Never Never Land by Rosa Prayed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. The particular sheet ended at this point. Mrs. Gildare laid it down upon the earlier ones and took another from the little pile which she had spread in sequence for perusal. She smiled to herself in mournful amusement for she scarcely questioned the probability that her friend would in due course become disillusioned of a very ordinary individual he certainly sounded a little like an adventurer who for some occult reason had been idealised by this great-souled wayward and utterly foolish creature how many shattered idols had not lady bridget picked up from beneath their overturned pedestals and consigned to memory's dustbin on how many pyres had not that oft-widowed soul committed sutty to be resurrected at the next freak of destiny and yet with it all there was something strangely elusive curiously virginal about lady bridget she had been in love so often nevertheless she had never loved joan gildea perfectly realised the distinction biddy had been as much and more in love with ideas as with persons art literature higher thought nature philanthropy mysticism she spelled everything with a capital letter platonic passion the last most dangerous and most recurrent as soon as one emotional interest burned out another rose from the ashes and while they lasted she never counted the cost of these emotional interests but then she was an o'hara and all the o'haras that had been were recklessly extravagant squandering alike their feelings and their money there wasn't a member of the house of gaverick decently well-to-do excepting indeed eliza countess of gaverick she had been a glasgow heiress and only belonged to the aristocracy by right of marriage with bridget's uncle the late lord gaverick who on the death of his brother about the time bridget was grown up had succeeded to the earldom but not to the estate gaverick castle in the province of connaught which with the unproductive lands appertaining to it had been in the possession of o'haras from time immemorial was sold by bridget's father to pay his debts his brother the heiress's husband, who, unlike the traditional spendthrift O'Haras, had accumulated a small fortune in business, was able by some lucky chance to buy back the castle, partly with his wife's money, soon after his accession to the barren honours of the family. His widow inherited the place as well as the rest of her husband's property, and could do as she pleased with the whole. Thus, the present holder of that ancient Irish title, young, charming and poor, stemming from a collateral branch, lived mainly upon his friends, and upon the hope that Eliza, Countess of Gaverick, might, at her death, leave him the ancestral home and the wherewithal to maintain it. As for Bridget's father, the last but one Earl of Gaverick, his career may be summed up as a series of dramatic episodes, matrimonial, social, and financial. His first wife had divorced him. His second wife, the mother of Lady Bridget, had deserted him for an operatic tenor, and died shortly afterwards. She herself had been an Italian singer. Lord Gaverick did not marry again, and Mrs. Gildea had gathered that the less said about his social adventures, the better. Financially, he had subsisted precariously as a company promoter. There had come a final smash, and one morning the Earl of Gaverick had been found dead in his bed, an empty medicine bottle by his side. As he had been in the habit of taking chloral, the coroner's jury agreed upon the theory of an overdose. Yes, Mrs. Gildea could quite understand that apart from general views on the marriage question, Lady Bridget O'Hara might well shrink from further connection with city finance. End of Book One, Chapter Three